Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> oh, I am happy to join with you, although I am joining with you on a pre-recorded uh, episode. Normally I do them live, but today I'm going to be on a plane to the West Coast, uh, California. I'm going to go and visit my goddaughter, who's in the talent show at her school, and then she's graduating from sixth grade. Yay, Amelia. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to have that precious time with her. And uh, yeah, so here we go. Uh, you can hear the birds in the background. The sun is rising here. And I am grateful to place my hand on my heart. Let's, let's do a blessing first. Hmm. So grateful and so thankful for the power of prayer, the power of love, awake and alive in our hearts, in our minds. So grateful and thankful that we have the power to choose. We have the power of decision. We are grateful and thankful to join together with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of our remembering our true identity and recognizing the pure thought of God is our very nature. We are grateful and thankful to join together to strengthen ourselves, to have the courage to say yes to love. We are grateful and thankful to place our full attention on the love activation that we are calling forth. We are grateful and thankful to bless this time together, knowing that it is extremely fruitful. It is energizing, it is awakening, it is healing, it is nourishing, that we're transcending time and space together to be the free flow of love, the wholeness the beauty, the truth, the harmony. This is what is happening. In gratitude, we are sharing the benefits with all. We let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> So I had put out a survey and asked some questions of people, and one of the questions I asked was, is there a topic of uh, that you'd like me to cover in the radio show? And so one of the requests was jealousy. And jealousy and envy uh, are not... Uh, there's not a specific teaching that I'm aware of in A Course in Miracles about these topics. And I'll be honest, I haven't had a huge amount of jealousy. We all have, there are different patterns that we're working on for the good of the whole. And that's not the strongest one. Uh, it's not the sharpest tool in my shed. And, um, but, I do have an understanding of it, and I'm happy to share that and to reference A Course in Miracles regarding jealousy and envy. So, of course, we know that they are the weapons of mass distraction for the ego. But what is the root nature of it? Because let's heal it to the root to have new fruit. That's what I say. And... What is the nature of it? So when I look deeply into jealousy and envy, there's a simplicity, and I feel grateful for that. So the simplicity is, if I am envious of what other people have, what must be operating in my belief system is a belief that I don't have. 
Otherwise, why would I be envious that other people do have? Because when other people have the same good as me, most people are not going to be bothered by that. They may, if they feel deeply unworthy, they may feel that anyone having even the same as them is a threat to them. And definitely there are people that have that belief system because it's built on the foundation of unworthiness. A Course in Miracles teaches us that the fundamental cause of all our problems is a belief in separation and the guilt that comes along with it, uh, the guilt being formed out of the belief that we have done something wrong to cause the separation. And in all my understanding, my research, my contemplation and meditation, this Belief in separation stems from the tiny mad idea, uh, Course in Miracles calls it a tiny mad idea at which we forgot to laugh. And the tiny mad idea is that we're separate. And from that belief in separation came the idea that there's better than and less than. And there comes jealousy and there comes all kinds of belief patterns. So there is no better than, there is no less than. If we're all one, how could better than or less than be except in the illusion? So it's a delusion, it's an illusion and a delusion to believe that we're separate and that there's better than and less than. Because even if you have someone who seems to have, let's say, if you take Buddha, right? Buddha was born a prince. He had everything, and yet he wasn't satisfied. He had every material offering that it was possible to have, and he was beautiful. And he was loved and adored. He had everything everyone could want but yet he wasn't satisfied. He had a curiosity. So that's us. That's us. He went exploring. He wanted to understand what else was going on beyond his experience of perfection. That's us. That's the same as uh, Adam and Eve partaking of the apple, in a sense. It's He left the garden. He left the palace walls. You see how life is, this Buddha story is true, life is teaching us how we're all the same. So we left the garden of our knowledge of perfection and wholeness. And instead we decided to try on these beliefs of separation. Now one thing I feel very, very strongly is that we weren't bad or wrong to do that. That we were explorers. We were explorers. I mean, think of people who explore the uh, top of Mount Everest and they endure incredible physical, mental, emotional challenges in order to have that experience of exploring their own inner reaches, their mental, emotional, and physical reaches. And it's arduous. It is, there's no part of it to me that seems like fun. The packing, the thinking, the planning, the executing, no part of it seems like fun to me. But there are people that find it irresistible and they must do it and they do it again and again to best themselves, to challenge themselves, to explore themselves. And that is part of our God nature, is that exploration. So let us not, when we explore the depths of sadness, or the depths of illness, or the depths of anger, or hatred, or jealousy, 
or depression or whatever it might be, let us not think less of ourselves. We're explorers. And we're also at a point in the development of our awareness, the return to love, that we don't have to explore the depths anymore. The depths have been explored. I often think of uh, the dark ages when, when this topic comes up. I think of um, the times of uh, torturing people because they had different religious views, uh, burning witches at the stake, the Holocaust. I don't think there are many Holocausts I don't think we can go any further to extremes than those. Well, I suppose we could, but individually, I used to go to my limits of anger and resentment and hurt, and I realized I don't have to do that anymore. So if you feel like you're exploring the depths of your pain and suffering, you can ask, what's it for? That's what, that's one of my favorite questions. What's it for? It's like when people are amassing wealth, what's it for? When people are, uh, dieting and trying to reach some beautiful perfection of the body, what's it for? What is the perfection of the body for? And if you're suffering, and you feel like you're allowing yourself or you're furthering yourself and going the, into the depths of despair or depression or illness or depravity or something like that. What's it for? It's not that it's wrong or bad necessarily, but what's it for? I've learned that it's not, if it's not for the glorification of spirit and the expression of spirit as love. There's no benefit to me. I feel like in all the many lifetimes I've lived, I've explored so much, there's no benefit to me to explore negativity anymore. Enough already. And so... The tiny mad idea, a belief in separation, at which we forgot to laugh. Instead, we believed it. We could have laughed through our exploration more. (laughs) So now we can not judge ourselves anymore for that. We cannot judge ourselves for the jealousy and the envy and the things that we have done because we believed that someone else had our good or they had more than we had they had our share that belief in jealousy it does come from thinking that we don't have and when we allow ourselves to explore the jealousy and envy by making it real then we are furthering that cause of separation thinking. When I've been contemplating jealousy, preparing for this uh, episode here, and I wrote a bit about this in my daily spiritual espresso today, it feels so toxic, extremely toxic and poisonous. And it's not because it's hurtful to anyone else, although anything we do that poisons ourselves is poisonous to others because there's only one. But for us to feel strongly envious or jealous, or even slightly, 
It is an absolute affirmation that we don't have. It's an affirmation of the belief that we don't have. It's a collecting of evidence to support the belief that we don't have, that we are fundamentally lacking. And whenever we do that to ourselves, we are igniting a whole host of thoughts and beliefs and feelings and energizing an energy that is deeply hurtful. And we're inflicting it on ourselves. Of course, we're poisoning the water that everybody drinks because we all drink from the same river of the one mind. However, we're the one who's having the strongest dose of it. So it is self-attack. It is self-sabotage. It's also an exploration of lack and limitation. But we've already explored lack and limitation enough. The time has come for us to heal it. And as we allowed the healing of our own experiences of envy and jealousy, we will not only heal our heart and our mind, our physical, emotional, mental bodies, the etheric body as well, we're going to bring benefit to all beings because many of the things in life that are horrific and debilitating and a drain of resources are very much related to jealousy and envy. So if you have this as a strong emotional mental pattern, then give thanks right away because you can, working with the Holy Spirit, you can have a healing of it. And then, of course, you'll reclaim all that energy to put into having and recognizing that you have and expressing what you have. But you'll also be giving a great, great gift to all of humanity to assist in releasing some of the stickiest, most tar-like negative thought patterns. As I'm sharing about this, what comes into my mind is O.J. Simpson and the murder of his wife and her friend. That was jealousy. Right there. That was envy and jealousy. And if you think about all that, all the impact that that had on humanity, if you think of all the people who loved and admired OJ and then had compassion for him, thinking that some other person had murdered his, the wife of his, his wife, and the mother of his two precious children, and that these poor, well, that's a judgment right there, but these, that was the thinking, the poor children have lost their mother, and of course, the friend, and all the people who loved the friend, and um, I don't remember a lot of details about it. I was living in L.A. at the time. But you can think about how it captured the nation's attention watching that trial for so long. And and there was all the racial tension. Of course, God used it for good. Of course, God used it for good. So one of the things that happened, because God uses everything for good, that is the nature of God. And that's why it's all good, even the Holocaust, even though... It's not fun, it's not loving, it's not kind, and it's not the highest and best choice. We can make low choices, but even if we make our bed in hell, in the hellishness of jealousy, murder, and revenge, right? Because O.J. murdered two people. He was thinking revenge because he was inflicted with a jealousy. So he needed to get revenge for how he felt, as though others were responsible for how he felt. They had caused how he felt. He was envious and jealous 
of her being able to live without him, to be happy without him, it, it, it ignited that murderous rage that he felt. Yes, it did. And that rage, it, it comes from attacking the self. That's my experience. I have felt a murderous rage many, many times. I felt it many times when I was a child, when I was a teenager in my early 20s. There have been uh, many times when I felt a murderous rage where I felt so angry I could kill someone or kill myself. I did have those feelings many times. And now, feeling into it, I can see, I can feel, I can recognize, I can recognize that what was going on there was I was believing my thoughts of something's wrong with me. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. There's always going to be something wrong with me. There's nothing I can do about it. I am a victim in this. And the rage that I felt, rage also towards myself for believing it, for energizing it, for furthering the cause, and punishing myself with the effect. So I was so angry at myself. The deepest, darkest anger was at myself. Always, always, always. If you think of OJ's murderous rage being inflicted on two people who were murdered and how it affected his life, the entire rest of his life has been effectively thwarted. You could say it was ruined. Certainly it was thwarted. And with no, with the continuous choices that he made, no possibility, he's not given himself any possibility of coming back into his right mind and, and redemption. He's not enabled that in his life. He sabotaged himself. Again and again and again. And that's what people do when they feel guilty. Remember the original guilt that we feel that we left God, that we abandoned God, that we gave ourselves this punishment for having walked away from heaven, the Garden of Eden, and the guilt for all the things that we have done and inflicted on ourselves and others as a result of our investments in separation thinking. So being able to have an example of someone like O.J. Simpson who took that envy and that jealousy to an extreme and the damage that he did to his children's lives, his own life, all the people who loved Nicole and her friend. Just feeling the energy of that. Increasing his sense of guilt, known or unknown felt or not felt. In a certain way, this is what we do. And so he took this strong belief he had that he was being deprived, that he was the victim. And that jealousy, that envy, and that hatred, and the anger that arose from it. And in 
not giving up the judgments, not having support to make other choices, not having the inner fortitude. He poisoned his life and he spread the poison out as far as he could. I mean, internationally, really, so many people affected. And yet there is the good in it. There is the good in it. So we'll take a look at the good in it when we come back. And we'll also explore more about alleviating ourselves of these feelings of jealousy and envy. Because they are just a thought pattern that's not actually true. And we can absolutely dissolve and resolve that thought pattern and let it go forever. It's not something we need. We can let it go. Mm, I'm so grateful. And I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio where we are living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. So we're back. Thanks for coming back. And we're talking about turning jealousy to victory. So the good in the whole experience with O.J. Simpson. One thing I saw was people started to have a more prevalent conversation about racism. And there was a thought, as I recall, that African-American, black people, people of color thought he was innocent. White people thought he was guilty. Uh, I can only say, I just remember there was conversation about all of that then. I, um, I did feel that he did it, most likely, because who else would do it and what would be their motivation? But uh, I do believe in innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> and so there was a big stirring of the pot there. And, and remember, we had had the riots in L.A. And uh, there was so much, the earthquake. And, of course, L.A., Los Angeles, is where most of the movies and television are made that reach around the world and really influence. So these issues being raised of racism and sexism and all these different kinds of issues are being raised in Los Angeles and people who are more open-minded go to Los Angeles to participate in that conversation and to help bring it up through the mediums of television and movies. For me, people joining together to have conversations about negative beliefs, negative thought patterns, and their expressions in this world, that joining together is healing. It's bringing things to the light of our attention and our awareness, and that's helpful to us. So this is how God turned it to good. Because there was a lot of conversation, a lot. There also was a huge expense. It was millions of dollars. I don't know how much millions, how many millions of dollars were spent on it. And so 
we can just see how the effects of one person's envy and jealousy that stems from their own deep sense of not having. And if you think of, it's, it's always a, an insanity. It's always an insanity because if you think of O.J. Simpson, here's a beautiful man, a talented man, and yet this deep sense of not having. And who is there to support him? So if we're feeling this sense of not having and a, a jealousy because we don't have and we're feeling this great sense of lack, then there's this opportunity for us to have a healing and to share the benefits with everyone. So let's look a little bit more deeply into this feeling of lack. And so what I was led to, and I we were talking about this when, uh, in that episode last week about despair, because that was another topic that came up that someone had requested that I address. So there's a section in chapter four, it's section four in chapter four, and I've talked about this before. It's so meaningful. It's called This Need Not Be. And it begins with, if you cannot hear the voice for God, it is because you do not choose to listen. That you do listen to the voice of your ego is demonstrated by your attitudes, your feelings, and your behavior. So, again, it comes back to the power of decision. It says, you listen to the voice of ego, and then it says, yet this is what you want. This is what you are fighting to keep. And what you are vigilant to save. Your mind is filled with schemes to save the face of your ego. And you do not seek the face of Christ. The glass in which the ego seeks to see its face is dark indeed. So that mirror that we're looking to see the ego reflected to affirm us, to validate us, is dark indeed. How can it maintain the trick of its existence except with mirrors? But where you look to find yourself is up to you. So let us look to heaven to find ourselves and recognize that when we're fighting to keep the ego thought patterns and thought systems is when we're investing in them and making them real. So this is one of the most fundamental patterns of the ego is all the ego's belief systems and all beliefs are false. They are not true. Everything that's true is truth. It's not a belief. That is so helpful to me in understanding A Course in Miracles and in understanding how this world works. Beliefs are false. Truth is true. Truth is true for everyone. And beliefs are false for everyone. All are worthy. All are good enough. If we believe that we are better than or less than, then the possibility of jealousy and envy will enter our equation because we've poked a hole in the truth. And inserted our belief. So feeling protected from waves of depression, anger, jealousy, hurt, all of that, the protection comes from making loving choices. Love is our protector. When we're aligned with love, we're not going to travel into the realm of that which is false. We're going to be focused on the truth. So, uh, Course in Miracles says it so beautifully here in this section. This need not be. 
in the next paragraph, paragraph two, it says, I have said that you cannot change your mind by changing your behavior. But I've also said, and many times, that you can change your mind. When your mood tells you that you have chosen wrongly, and this is so whenever you are not joyous, then know this need not be. In every case, you have thought wrongly about some brother God created and are perceiving images your ego makes in a darkened glass. Think honestly what you have thought that God would not have thought and what you have not thought that God would have you think. Search sincerely for what you have done and left undone accordingly. And then change your mind to think with God's. This may seem hard to do, but it is much easier than trying to think against it. Your mind is one with God's. Denying this and thinking otherwise has held your ego together, but has literally split your mind. As a loving brother, I am deeply concerned with your mind and urge you to follow my example as you look at yourself and at your brother and see in both the glorious creations of a glorious father. And then it goes on to say, when you are sad, know this need not be. Depression comes from a sense of being deprived of something you want and do not have. Remember that you are deprived of nothing except by your own decisions and then decide otherwise. And then it goes on and talks about fear in the form of anxiety. It says, when you are anxious, realize that anxiety comes from the capriciousness of the ego. And know this need not be. So, The same is true here for feelings of envy and jealousy. That we are not feeling envious and jealous because of what other people have or what other people are experiencing. And it's not because of what we're not experiencing that we're feeling the way we feel. When we feel jealous, jealousy and envy. Or everyone would feel it. And they don't. Some people feel the depression. They just feel the deprivation without real strong feelings of jealousy or envy. They have a deep sense. They're, they're really in touch with their own belief in unworthiness. So there is a cure, and it does require some willingness, of course, and some courage. And this really does apply to if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling angry, you're feeling hurt, you're feeling any negative emotion, all the ones that I call the divine alarm clock. When we're thinking upset, when we're feeling upset, when uh, our physical body is agitated, our mental body is agitated, our emotional body is agitated, all of those are like alarm bells going off. It's what I call the divine alarm clock, letting us know that our thinking is stinking and that we can, we don't have to do a research project and analyze the data like the ego would. We don't have to do that to find out what the stinking thinking is. We don't need that. It's not necessary because the higher Holy Spirit knows precisely what it is. All we need to do is say, this need not be. I have another choice. I can choose to think the thoughts I think with God. Holy Spirit, please remove from my mind my awareness, my attention, all of these thoughts that are causing this upset. Known and unknown, felt and not felt, recognized and unrecognized. Take them all, and please do the same for everyone who has these same thought patterns. Let all minds be healed of these thought patterns. I am 
willing and ready to be free. I am choosing the freedom now. I no longer wish to live in lack, attack, limitation, and separation. I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Enough already. Mm. Powerful, 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 powerful. Yes, yes, yes. So that's our willingness, our willingness to partner up and to, instead of energizing the pattern, instead of thinking the thoughts, we give them to the Holy Spirit for healing. There's a, I think it's a Turkish proverb or something like that, or it's a Persian proverb, I don't remember, uh, that goes something like, um, just because the birds are flying around your head, you don't have to let them nest in your hair. So that's the thing. Just because the thoughts uh, are being magnetized into our awareness because of our belief system in lack and not enough does not mean that we have to think these thoughts and give them our attention and our energy. We can choose something else. And we can choose to think the thoughts of God. So the lessons in A Course in Miracles give give us wonderful affirmations. And we can say, as I've said many, many times, love holds no grievances, nor do I. I am the light, and I choose to focus on the light. So remember... Jealousy comes from this idea that you don't have. And many times it comes from us not expressing our gifts and talents, denying our gifts and talents, denying our magnificence, denying our beauty, denying our wondrous spiritual nature. So then we're jealous of other people who express those things. But just like it says about depression, depression comes from believing that you're deprived of something you want. But no one can deprive you but yourself. The same is true related to jealousy. So it's feeling that other people have what you want. They have opportunity that you'd like to have. They have gifts and talents and and opportunities to express them that you'd like to have. But no one can deprive us of our gifts and talents but ourselves. And we can make up a long line of excuses. I used to have so many excuses for why I couldn't be a successful minister or a counselor or a teacher. I had so many excuses for why I couldn't do what I wanted to do or live the life that I wanted to live. And I had uh, less jealousy, more resentment towards other people, um, and lots and lots of fear. Lots of fear and sadness. But instead of trying to figure it all out, instead of trying to analyze it and come up with a plan raise money and get resources and people to help me and all of those things, I decided to go to the Holy Spirit. And I know that that's why I shifted out of those patterns. And I know it's why you're listening to my voice right now is because that's what you're interested in doing. So I did it all through working with the Holy Spirit, all of it. I tried for many years to find the secret spiritual information. I tried for many years to gather the spiritual teaching and information that would tell me what to do and how to do it. And then I realized that Spirit had been leading me all along. And where I was led to was the personal practice of nonviolence, and I realized that uh, many, many things I were was doing in my life 
the thoughts I was choosing to think and the things I was choosing to do and to say and to eat and all of that, much of it had a violent nature and that I was inflicting a lot of violence on myself, a lot of self-attack. And I made a decision to practice nonviolence in my thinking and in my choices, in my words, and in every area of my life. So I began practicing that. That's why when I came to A Course in Miracles many years later, I realized, oh, I have been practicing these lessons. Realizing that, oh yes, I've given it this meaning. I'm the judger. I'm, I've been the attacker. And I'm willing to change my mind about it and give it over to the Holy Spirit for healing. So that, that practice that's in the workbook lessons, I was already familiar with it through my personal practice of nonviolence for many years. In studying A Course in Miracles, in communing with the Spirit, that's when the, the deepest part of the healing happened. And truly, right before I came to Course in Miracles, in the few years right before, right around in that time, that's when I said, I'm going all in for God. I'm putting all my eggs in the God basket. I see the more I invest in being loving and non-judgmental, the happier I am, the better my life is. I'm going to go all in for that and put my focus and attention on that. And that's when I started to be able to share my gifts and talents in more effective ways. So I was already beginning to share my gifts and talents, but I wasn't reaching that many people, which now I know was a good thing. And that's what I actually was secretly worried about. I was worried about affecting lots of people because I didn't feel pure and pristine in my thinking. I wasn't living it. There was a, there were a lot of areas in my life where I was talking the talk but not walking it. And so I did not feel worthy of having other people listen to me. So I cleaned up my act. And I just decided to really walk my talk. And walking the talk is living the love. People think it's all about things like not eating meat, not eating cheese, not drinking alcohol, not having sex, um, being impeccable with your word, and, I don't know, not eating sugar, eating organic, Uh, All these different things that are expressions in the world that people think that's what walking the talk is. It means practicing the lessons every day and reading all these books and listening to all these audios. But that's not walking the talk. What walking the talk really truly is, is being loving and compassionate compassionate as much as you possibly can towards yourself and others. It's about not trying to go it alone, listening to spirit and following spirit and learning how to recognize the difference between ego's voice and spirit's voice. Of course, I have radio shows on that. And in the archive at livingofcourseofmiracles.com forward slash radio, you can get that archive, and uh, we are still transcribing uh, the episodes, more and more of them all the time, working on different projects related to uh, sharing those episodes, thanks to the donations of people who appreciate this radio show. If you do appreciate this radio broadcast, I invite you to please uh, 
make a contribution, tax-deductible contribution, you can do that at livingacourseofmiracles.com or jenniferhadley.com. All donations go to the Power of Love Ministry. And you can mail in a check, you can pay with a, a credit card, however you'd like to make that donation. One of the things that helps us the most is when people... Uh, make an ongoing donation and commit to making a a monthly contribution that helps us to plan uh, our resources and what we can build and offer. Speaking of offering, uh, uh, just in the next few days, we'll be announcing the Teaching Retreats with John Monday in uh, New York, near Manhattan, in Nyack, New York. And we're teaching how to write inspiration, how to lead a workshop, including how to lead my Forgive and Be Free workshop, and also how to give an inspirational talk. Three retreats back-to-back, 10 days of teaching retreats. It's all part of the uh, developing curriculum for teachers and ministers and prayer practitioners at the Power of Love Ministry. And also the uh, early bird specials for the super early bird specials for the Forgive and Be Free retreat uh, in October are uh, up on June 2nd. Also, if you're coming to the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive, that super early bird special is up on June 2nd. So just letting you know about those things, you can make that decision. If if you're called intuitively, just let me know. Uh, remember, we always have payment plans. So we give early bird discounts and payment plans. We're really doing everything we can to support you if you would like to come and share your gifts and talents and do this work with us. So powerful. It's so healing. Yes. So... We can go from jealousy to victory over the ego through simple practices. The Holy Spirit will do the heavy lifting. I place my hand on my heart in deep gratitude to let the healing happen. We're grateful and thankful for the love of God shining in our awareness. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Have a great rest of your week. I love you.